listen to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. They're wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. From hair wrong, I'm listening to hair wrong. Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking back the under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still gotta keep the work together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gon' do it like, like us? Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking back the under pressure, yeah. Thank you for joining us on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Cree Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And we've stepped back into the studio for episode 414. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah, what's going on? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what you been getting into this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I just got a couple of anime episodes. Um, saw the new um, Ancient Magus Bride and um, uh, see the joint that's pretty good this season. Oh, um... The Apothecary Diaries, that's actually pretty good, too. Yes, those are both the ones that you mentioned before, right? Yeah, um, I don't think I mentioned the other one, but I did make, mention... Um, did I? I think I'm... I'm not sure if I mentioned the Apothecary Sorcerer's Bride, Diaries, for though. sure, you talked about Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I, I um, spoke about it in previous seasons. Oh, uh, okay, and that so one's this pretty is the good. new season, got Yeah, the season three just came out. Oh, okay, yeah, is yeah. It? No, you definitely talked about season one and two, not three. Yeah, yeah. The, this season... um. Season three has been like um they they're she says in the college basically she's she's studying how to be an actual sorcerer as well as the college is also in, um they're supposed to be researching her as well because she's got this gnarly dragon curse that's threatening to um eat, take over dragon her whole body. Dragon curses do that, bro. Dragon <laughs> curses be serious. Yeah. So she's she's doing a, a lot at the college, but at the same time. There was um there was there was this lady from one of the the powerful mage families. She, she's um they, they you finally got to the end of where her well almost at the end of where her story is now and you find out that she's just been a psychopath. You feel me? Yeah, she's a fucking time. psychopath. So like she was like uh, one of those super ambitious women and grew to be head of the family from super young, but she was having trouble bearing a child. And so, you know, they were, like, talking about it behind her back. Like, that was essentially, like, a stain on her mm. stellar record as ascension to the family head. So, eventually, she was able to to conceive a child. And she, at first, she was like, all right, mission accomplished. I can go back to being family head. Fuck that little thing that just came out of me, right? But the little kid was very, Ouch. very... <laughs> the little kid was really, really attached to her. And he just sort uh, of, yeah. like, follow her Kids and stick with that. her. And, um... <laughs> So eventually she started teaching him sorcery and teaching him her kind of sorcery, which is like, hey, here's this lady. Use her to practice your sorcery on so you don't kill people. Like, that's the level of shit that she's teaching her son. Damn. But that ends. She got Archmage's training with that nigga because he could just off him? No, it's not that. I mean, it's like in magic in this one, um, it's, it's a lot more involved, right? It's like an actual science. So, you know, you got to practice it so you don't fuck up subtle shit. And so that's why the, the mom got, got Adam uh, a human to experiment on, essentially. But gotcha. Adam ended up falling in love with this, this woman and eventually having a child and ran away from the mom. And, yeah, she, she, she snapped. She fucking snapped. She sent her she goons after him. She didn't realize that nigga till it was too you late. She ah. was like, yo, he's mine. That thing is mine. She actually said that in her flashback monologue. She was like, yo, you can't have him. She was essentially saying to the, um, to the, to the daughter-in-law, essentially. 
for lack of a uh, yeah, better description. Once he marries her, it's like for better or worse, nigga. That's, yeah, that's like after he ran away, she was like, "Yo, who put this idea in your head that you could run away from me, son? You belong Damn. to me." <laughs> He's like, "Yo, who, get that nigga who back." Who taught you this dumb shit, nigga? And so season three of Megus's Bride is about that crazy lady's granddaughter who she's been like fucking brainwashing and just like a verbally and physically abusing to get the necessary ingredients and steps to in order to be able to revive her son. Oh, because she sent a bunch of goons after her son and her son was like, yeah, fuck all that and shot him, kill himself. Oh, no. But also, he put a curse on himself, so any damage done to him would done on anyone else because he knew his mom was tracking him. He's, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know your mother is the family head of a very powerful sorcerer family, so you have some contingencies and shit. Yeah. And um, yeah. he was just like, yo, I'd rather would, die than go know. back into your, your See, uh, care type that's, shit. That's, that's the point where he gets to where I'm like, I don't know if I'm putting the curse on myself for the retributive damage. Yeah, I mean, I might have to find somebody, cajole them into the idea because I, I, I don't know, man. That sounds like it sucks. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure under ideal circumstances, yeah. that's probably not the number one spell. You know what I mean? More than likely, that was chosen for a reason that was not mm-hmm. elucidated in the time that we had. But it worked just fine for the purposes. It did the trick. That, yeah, for the purposes that he needed it for, which is was to get away from his um his mom. And he created like this, like he was a really, really brilliant sorcerer. And he created this artificial fairy to be like the um, sort of guardian and bodyguard for his daughter named Alcyone. And so season three is really about Philomena. For the for the first part, I mean, it's a pretty big spoiler. That's a popular just name. I remember that from. Um, I think Philomena was one of the characters in Dota. Yeah, yeah, that's a. That was yeah, that was the 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 fucking sorcerer's daughter. Yeah, um, I believe Philomena's a flower, and that that's that's where uh, the name comes from. Yeah, it's like Daisy or Lily and shit. Gotcha. But um, she the, season three is mostly about the shit going down at the college, but. There's this huge undercurrent of what's going on with Philomena. And, yeah, you kind of find out that, yeah, I didn't come here to study, bro. I just came here to steal this fucking ancient Book of the Dead and absorb all your energy so I could take it back to my grandma to revive my fucking— right there. To revive my dad. (laughs) And, you know, the— the it sucks because Philomena is such an abused character, bro. Like, she's just— That might be tough for me to watch. She's just getting, like— she she was just like yo I just wanted I just wanted my grandma to acknowledge me you know I just I just wanted to say that I did a good job like after she did all of that shit to get the book like kept the school hostage for like I don't know like a month and a half they had to lock down the college because yeah. they wouldn't let anyone in or out because they were trying to find out um well that's not true the principal knew who the fuck the problem was but she was just yeah. like word my nigga okay we'll see how long you could last that's a problem with when your problem is that powerful, you got to tread lightly. <laughs> and you can try to shut it down, sure, and fuck up your one chance, fail, and then never get that chance again. Yeah, and she was trying to figure out, like, she was trying to figure shit out, too. But um, I think there's a, there's a couple episodes left in the season, so I'm, I'm curious to see uh, uh, how it's going to work out for the grandma and, and Philomena because, man, it's it's been a crazy rough ride. And F- Philomena deserved the W, man. She's been she's been taking them L since she was introduced. Nice. I do like seeing the underdog get some Ws. Philomena, I am a fan through. of that. Gods do. Everybody's coming through for her and shit. And it's funny, too, because, like, 
Um, in the show, there there is, or at least at the college, there's a very heavy like family dynamic, which is like, uh, we're representatives of X house, and we can't do certain things. You know what I mean? Like we have a certain image to portray because our family don't do certain shit. So it's it's it was interesting to see the dynamic of all these characters who are like they have their their established noble relations and also their established noble rivalries. But at the same time, they all came together because they were just like, yo, Philomene is mad different, bro. Like, yeah. we used to grow up with her. She used to smile and talk and do puzzles and shit. And now she just looks dead inside. Can we, can we like, that, help her out or something? Yo, definitely address that character. You feel me? Like, can we help her? Like, yo, let's help out Philomena. So, that, 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 at least that, that was the energy from, like, her friends and the classmates in the school. But, you know, her family, bro, anybody, like, related to her nigga trash trash tier people absolutely fucking trash tier and what's even worse what's- i'm sorry but that's a super relatable storyline like why do i get so much <laughs> more love from the world than from the people closest to me who you know philly me? like yo and, and what's fucking crazy too like she had wild emotional baggage because like her grandma nah, ordered her baggage her grandma ordered her to assassinate um an entire family so there's this family called like the webster family and their their sorcery uses um special spiders to do all kinds of cool shit that i don't remember because it's been a while yeah they they, they were pretty cool until philomena and a werewolf murdered all the motherfuckers (laughs) when she was like eight because her grandmother ordered her to and like you know all that type of shit but you know she but at the same time she couldn't kill the youngest girl that was there Fast forward to when they're in college, that youngest girl is now, like, the roommate of the main character. And she was like, yo, I'm looking into the fucking, I'm looking into the mysterious destruction of my family line and, and our line of spiders. And my only clue is this one bro, little girl. So it, it's it's cool to see. I, I liked how they set up everything in season three and how, like, the, the dominoes started to fall. And there's been some pretty cool mage battles and characters are, are getting some pretty dope plot development. Like one of the characters, um, Zoe, he's um he's like a Medusa. They they refer to them as uh uh the race as Gorgons. Yeah, Gorgons. And yeah. he's got the fucking um he's got like but it's not like plain Gorg- Gorgons. They they take a little bit of creative liberties with it. And he just did some cool shit in the last episode where he transformed and like a secondary personality came out and he oh, undid one of the um super powerful bindings that Philomena's grandma was using to control one of the werewolves for like since Philomena was a kid for like at least 10 years and my nigga was just like yo get rid of that shit so I'm really curious and there's also another character there I think I want to say his name is Isaac but he's wearing a hoodie and they always shadow the features in his face and at first Never really thought of it, thought of anything about it. At first, I thought he was just like a background character, and they never really, you know, it's not really important. But he gets a lot of FaceTime. And in the recent, in last episode, Philomena, when she was going through some shit, reached out and, like, grabbed his face. And, like, he freaked the fuck out, and he was like, yo, don't touch my face. And specifically grabbed, like, his hood and covered it back down. So I'm like, nigga, what's going on with that? Uh, What's going on with that? I want to pull that thread now, you know? So I'm really curious to see what mythological creature that nigga's family is from and what's going on with his power super curious about that shit oh yeah i was definitely like you know i'm always a big fan of mythology and lore and stuff and i remember when i first found out like medusa is a name 
she's actually a Gorgon. Like, you aren't mm -hmm. a Medusa. Medusa is one character and then of a race of creatures that 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 have that um trait of the females have the serpentine hair and actually male gorgons come out as bulls which was yeah. interesting which, but that's a whole that's that's greek yeah that's, that's, that's completely different but the cool thing about that is when you become the most notable of your race, your name becomes representative of that race. Ah, uh, okay, yes. Feel me? It's one of them things. It's like, yeah, every when people say Medusa, everybody knows. You know this. You, about. you know what I mean? It's one of them things. It's like when you get dope enough, you know, you could be like, um, you could just be like one of them niggas, like, like Achilles or Adonis. You know, you know who's. You know what I'm like. evoking whenever I say. If I say oh, you're yeah. an Achilles, nigga, we know you're a warrior. If I say oh, you're yeah. an Adonis, you know what I'm saying? So. Medusa perfection. Just, yeah, you know what I mean? Medusa just transcended like that. Absolutely. There's a bunch of Gorgons that ain't got no name. No, you know who's been getting a lot of love <laughs> in the online community that I was surprised um, that, that you mentioned? It's your homegirl, Free Ren. Yeah. Bro, Free Ren is being held as, like, one of the best made characters she's awesome. in recent anime history. She's super And cool. they're being... Com she's, like, being used as, like, the measuring tool of why a lot of other anime characters have failed. That's really funny. Which is hilarious, which is hilarious, because people are trying hilarious. to write characters like Free Ren, you know what I mean? But they're not hitting it. Yeah, she really is a uniquely written character. And she so really I just is. To shout that out because you you pointed her out early, and I think you were a little bit above uh, ahead of the curve on that one because the anime community is catching up and they're like, "Yo, Free Ren ain't no joke, bro. Bro, she cool as fuck. It's super dope. Like to write a character that's like super duper aloof. Like, yo, I don't get this entire human shit, and then." essentially provide all the basis for her character growth before the story and have her slowly catch up to, like, what the hero it's was a, trying to tell her way, way back rare, then. It's a super rare storyline for the aloof character to actually gain feelings. Right? Usually mm -hmm. the aloof character stays aloof because or, they of whatever caused them to become that way. She started that way and so through her experience got to gain uh, whatever... Uh, information made it relevant for her to actually like be like, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't get it, but I want to. Yes, hundred you know percent. I, mean? that's I don't her get energy. it, but I want to. That's a very rare sentiment to see in in, in a long lived race. That that's her. Um, that's her post. That that's um post post the hero's death. That's mm. her. Prior to the hero's death, she was just like, I don't get it. I'm gonna go look up magic or some shit. But after the heroes that she was like, I think that's what they did. Though. They yo, built it. Yeah, yeah. They, She's they like, yo, I'm just... trying. To, I feel like I'm trying to figure something. I feel like there's something here that I'm not quite getting. You know what I mean? We didn't meet her at her transition phase. We got to see her in the yep. height of her aloofness, mm -hmm. which made the transition that much more impactful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that you could do it right or you could do it wrong, and they doing it right. Yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. And it's actually animated by Studio Madhouse. That's why it looks so fucking good. And Madhouse. That's Madhouse. why it looks so goddamn good. I was like, I saw this, Um, one YouTuber was like breaking down one of the fights with um Stark versus the dragon. And he was just like, yo, look, look at the... Look at the slide animation under this. Look how many frames are in just this is simple movement. But yeah, Madhouse be doing that. Nah, I'm telling you, I I still stand behind the whatever this um Chinese studio is that that's making um Fog Hill of Five Elements. Mm -hmm. In terms of choreography, the animation I think, you know, they they do their best and it comes out good. But the choreography of their fights, bro. 
Who's thinking of this shit, bro? This shit is out of control. <laughs> like, my man's Wing Chun is is superlative. Yeah, you know I mean, like, I, I really uh like the choreography of um the fights in in um Fog Hill of Five Elements, but yeah, I, I, I feel you, yo. Like Madhouse, yo, their animations are so creative. Yeah. You know, really and it's good. funny, I was talking with the homeboy, um, Anthony, uh, just Carolina's sister's boyfriend, but he was talking about like JJK and he he really has appreciation for what Studio Mappa's doing, even under the insane culture of creation that they have there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. and there was like online e- niggas are wild disrespectful online, bro, because like when they animated the or are, are are you up to date with the JJK um, anime? Yeah, I haven't watched the anime because I'm already past it in the manga. Oh, okay, cool. So, um, when they animated Maharaga, they used a very artistic style. Like they, they def like they. When I say they, it's probably just one person, honestly, because <laughs> you know they be crunching. But mm-hmm. the the artist decided to use a more expressive style rather than a more realistic style, mm-hmm. and. You know, niggas online are just disrespecting, talking about, yo, what is this AI art? I'm like, bro, <laughs> stop it. Don't That's do that. Right. Don't do that. You know what I mean? Because the insult of calling something AI art to me means like, oh, you're just doing something derivative. And there was nothing derivative about what they did. And that's why I was upset that they that they, that they uh, called it out like that because I don't want people to just start wholesalely just like stacking that label onto shit they don't like you know what i mean like it means something when you call something ai art you know what i mean and like if you don't like the artistic expression they use say so that's fine but don't say it's derivative and i don't know if that's what they meant by calling it ai art but whatever that insult was meant to mean i don't think is is warranted because for what it's worth even under their their super tight constraints in their crunch, I think Studio Mappa produces a ton of quality shit because of the quality of their animators. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. I just, I just wanted to point out, I thought I was wild, though. Like, people in the anime community be disrespectful, bro. Mm-hmm. What is that about? Yeah, you know I mean? Like, aren't we here to enjoy the shows? If you don't like the show, then you don't have to watch it. Yeah, you know I mean? Like... Oh, man, unfortunately, that that's that's an entire culture of the internet is shitting on things. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, and 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 not for nothing, I do see movement in some online communities to where like people are still like contrarian and they 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 want to shit on something, but the disrespectful shit, keep that to your four chans, bro. Nobody in the public sphere is, is is trying to to amplify voices that are just being rude and disrespectful, and you see it at and and the attempts at doing so are at an all time high. And I'm glad to see that a lot of times when niggas are just like outright shitting on something without actually providing, they these bitches get be getting ratioed like. Nah, nobody oh, wants to fucking hear that shit. <laughs> I mean, it's JJK. It's literally the most popular anime this season. You can shit on it if you want to, but you're absolutely in the no, minority. You know what I found out? It was number. Two. <laughs> two, you know what it was? Number two, two. It was to a fucking um. Study. It was a, a sports. It was a sports manga. Past yeah, it. That makes sense. Um, but it wasn't even one of the popular ones. Like it wasn't Ice Shield and it wasn't Slam Dunk. It was like 
Oh, Blue Lock? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. That shit fucking got number one. What is uh, Blue that? Blue Lock is wild, bro. I, Blue I spoke Lock is about out of control, it bro, but I don't way, see why it's so pop- when, popular. That fucking, it's, it's the most anim- anime-fied soccer anime ever. It's like, so fucking It is anime, to bro. the extreme, bro. Oh. It's like it's like fascism, the soccer anime. <clears throat> But I, I, it was, it was too much for me, man. It Dude, was, that's what I'm saying. I, like, I saw I episode one, and one. I was just like, "Yo, it's just the re- It's too much that's for me in the right sense now. that it's leaning into the tropes a little too hard, and it ends up being funny. Maybe that's what it's supposed to be. But JJK for me, was I was three. just like, JJK was definitely top three. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, one that's, piece that's so was because I don't remember if it was One Piece or JJK at two and three. Yeah. But both of them got passed out by this blue lock shit, and I was like, okay, let me check it out. And I was like, oh yeah, no, no, nah, nah. just no. Blue lock like, dominated its season, man. When it when it was out, oh my goodness, and 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 the the guy who I was um the YouTuber I was watching who who had brought it up mentioned maybe it was because of the recent World Cup. Oh, but that's, all, that's possible. even he was like, I don't know how this anime got number one. I don't, I don't know, bro. But yeah, or manga. I'm sorry, who's doing mangas? They, yeah. they people love that shit. It, 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 it is it, super popular in Japan. It, over super here, super popular, like universally acclaimed. Yeah, it, it fucking dominated its its season, and people were talking about it relentlessly. And I was just like, for real, guys. I mean, but the animation is really dope. It's you know it's tropey action packed soccer's I mean football so if if you enjoy that sort of thing it, you know it's right up your alley. Yeah, and honestly, because I I I genuinely thought that um baseball was more popular than soccer in Japan and right? that basketball was on the rise. I I'm full on wrong. That was a complete misconception on my part because there is absolutely no way that. Those sports could be more popular, and Blue Lock surpassed the <laughs> things like Slam, no, because things like Ice Shield and Slam Dunk it's are really... like it's passing those numbers. Yeah, and those are have been around for what for twenty five years. Yeah, and I'm just like, wow, okay, my bad. Nah, my man's figured out the formula, bro. <laughs> Yo, you put anime on formula. soccer, bro. <laughs> He's like, yo, I've seen all these niggas before me do it. Guess what? I'm going to combine all their skills together in a battle royale type fucking soccer It's just so showdown. funny that you knew exactly what anime or manga <laughs> slash anime I was talking about. Just for me telling you, it made Bro, it, it beat out those Because it, it's, yeah, it, it, it was going crazy. I could completely see that shit. It's not surprising at all. That's funny. Good for them, man. Good. And good I'm not for mad. Them. I am definitely never hating on no success. Yeah. Nah, never that's... take anything I say as hating on success. Kudos to those guys. Yeah, for I, sure. It didn't connect to me, but that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? It clearly connected to a lot of people, and it connected to its target audience. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I am never gonna poo-poo that. That's that's, that's for funny. Sure. I mean, if anybody wants to check it out, season one is actually 24 episodes, so it's a nice. It's a chunk, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? You'll get a nice, satisfying amount. And I'm nine, I'm about 85% sure it's getting a second season. With with numbers like okay. that. No, if they didn't, it? I would be so surprised. Yeah, I would Holy be very, shit. very surprised if it wasn't already renewed for a second season. If it's, yeah. if it's like on fire like that, son. You know, unless they, they like, unless they're fully aware that this is like a trend wave that they just caught on and that. But I doubt it's that. I don't think it's that. Because mm-hmm. anime uh, consumers aren't like that. And it's been around for a while. I think um, it has to be around for a while. It has to be at least four years old, I'm thinking. Yeah. 
Because yeah, because it's got it's the the anime is is two years old, and I think the manga is four. If I'm if I remember correctly, but the manga is definitely ahead of the anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um the the manga premiered October to March of um last year to this year. Oh, okay. So the manga must be I'm assuming about four years old. Yeah. Yeah, and released on November eighth, twenty eighteen. A little bit older than that. That's that's ooh, picking up steam, nigga. Yeah, man. Yeah, damn. That's good shit, man. And so yeah, that that that's what's up. Five years, yeah, that's that's. No, nah, I was, I was when too. I saw when I saw you know because I I peruse because I I I read JJK early on the manga like as soon as it drops in in Japan they got the fan translations and I read those online mm-hmm. um because they're actually really good mm-hmm. they are they're rarely like completely wrong you know what I mean like so and and. The uh, the guys that I read are really kind of dedicated to like neutral translations, so yeah, I I appreciate them for what they do, and so um yeah, yeah and, when I and, saw... and the bigger an anime is, the more people actually work to give you a good translation Facts. because the bigger of a backlash there will be if your translation is shit. Oh, the internet I mean? is ruthless. Are you kidding yeah. me? They'll shut your shit down immediately. Like, nope, this is all wrong. And also, I don't you, even speak you'll Japanese, create... but no, this kanji wrong, that kanji wrong, that kanji wrong. Get out of here. Yeah, you'll create scanlation competitors if you do, if you're if you're working on a series that big and yeah. you're doing a poor job, nah, someone's, someone better than that job that you going to take it over. Yeah, somebody wants to do it right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the importance of community. You know what I mean? Like, Especially in something that, like, you know, it's not created in a format that is palatable to the vast majority of the world, but the vast majority of the world is absolutely interested, you're going to get community built around that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I just wouldn't, like, when I was perusing the, the, the forums, I was really, like, I was very heartened to see Free Run's name flying around, like, yo, 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 this is it right here. I was yeah. like, damn, okay, cool. So just 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 know when when Rico dropping his anime tidbits, them shits is is on point. Yeah, you know I mean, get ahead of the game. There be some gems every every once in a while that you can you can like see from like episode three or four. Like, oh, this is gonna be a banger. Yeah, this is gonna be a banger, and, and that was one of them for sure. That's dope. So that's pretty much what you caught this weekend. Mm-hmm. That's what's up, man. I had a a wonderful weekend at the cinema. Nice. And I got to catch quite a few things that I've been wanting to. I've been talking about. Um, yo, I caught Godzilla minus one. Nice. I caught. I actually watched Barbie. I got caught up with that. I tried watching Oppenheimer already. That one wasn't it. Um, but Barbie, <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> bro, bro, when when they when when they got to the sex scene, I was like, my guys, my guys. Yo, why do I need to know that Oppenheimer fucked, bro? But, why is that relevant? Why? Why are you focusing on this? <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure that had far less to do with the bomb than anything else that we could have been focusing on here. So Oppenheimer, honestly, I don't think was a very good movie. I think that um, Americans love feeling good about destroying shit. And so Oppenheimer was a film that lionized somebody who helped them destroy some big shit. So that ain't my... But Barbie? Bruh. Pleasantly surprised. Heard nothing um, but good things about Barbie. And then I caught Boy and the Heron. Nice. Which um it's I was really interested when I heard that the Japanese title for this movie is um The Lives We Live. 
completely different and far more salient. <laughs> the Boy and the Heron was an interesting choice of title because the Heron, I think, was a a, a very minor character in terms of the overall storyline. But yeah, honestly, I all 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 of the movies hit. They were they were solid. Um. I would say my personal ratings before I go into my deep dives. And this is your early spoiler alert. I'm going into all of the movies, unless you want to... Um, I might wait a little bit on Boy in the Heron. No, but you honestly, could. I don't think I actually understood enough of the story to spoil it. So <laughs> be that as it may, it was an amazing um, anime. But I would say that Godzilla minus one, nine out of ten. Nice. Completely changed my understanding of the Godzilla movie because after watching um Shin Godzilla by um Hidetaki Ono um is did I pronounce that right? I, I think it's Hidetaki Ono. Um sounds about right. It, it's the creator of um Evangelion. But uh oh Hideaki Ono. Hideaki Ono. Um the Godzilla story is not a monster mash story as like Westerners know, like monster movies. The Godzilla story is an allegory that speaks to a very traumatic time in Japanese history. And when Japanese people make Godzilla movies, Godzilla is the side character. He's not the main character. That's just the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. The, it's it's the, summed the people, up. The spirit of the people is the main character of that movie. Yeah, and the, the song Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult breaks it down like pretty perfectly. Like, you know what I mean? Godzilla is like he's not the bad guy. This whole thing. It's it's the people. It's it's anti um um. It's the nuclear. It's anti nuclear uh, uh, propaganda. It's not really propaganda. Yes. Is the word I'm looking for, but it it, it is anti nuclear propaganda for sure. It is pro-Japanese nationalism, but not based in the government. It is pro-Japanese people and the spirit mm-hmm. of Japanese people to help each other as one collective soul. That is a, 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 a through point in every Godzilla story that I think as a Westerner is easy to miss. That none of these things... None, there is no survival through Godzilla without coming together. And that is, that's something that I didn't realize was part of the Godzilla story until this one, because now it, it's, it's starting to ring true. You know what I mean? You, it's like, I, I'm, I'm starting to realize, like, I actually want to go back and watch a lot of those old Godzilla movies to see, like, was I just missing it? Was I just not present? Because it's really easy to watch Godzilla and think it's a, a monster movie. It's really, like, I don't think you're wrong for taking that away. I just think that you've missed a lot of what's there. But I think the the American ones are definitely monster movies, though. Absolutely. I'm talking about just the Japanese ones. Like, the the old school, like, you know, uh, Godzilla vs. Rodan. And, yeah, yeah. You know, old school. The Japanese. weird costumes. These, these yes. um, the, the Skull Island, Godzilla, King Kong crossover movies, those are its own thing. Those are action movies, you know, to to be, to be um, of their own storyline. I think they're part. Of, are they part of the Monarch story storyline? Yes, they, they began the Monarch storyline. Yeah, 
Um, I'm only speaking of the Japanese created ones. Um, and yeah, so Godzilla minus one, nine out of ten. Barbie. Oh, I am 99% sure that that movie did so well because the vast majority of people who liked it didn't realize that they were the butt of the critique. Anybody who identifies with the Barbies and the Kens has failed to understand the critique in Barbie. Really well done. And 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 something that I've started to learn to appreciate with uh, writers and directors who delve deep into allegory is like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to give you a moment where I'm being completely transparent. And this moment is, is the, the message of the movie. The rest of the movie could be misleading because we're using allegories and, and representations. But this is the message of the movie just to frame what's going to come. And Barbie did that, I think, very well, especially because... Barbie is not a movie about empowerment. It really isn't at all. Like, there's no sing. Like, the Barbies are trash and the Kens are trash. Like, that's the funny part about the movie is like, wait, you think the people who were easily duped and then chose to continue to mimic patriarchy even after they were shown how bad it could be are the good guys? No. They're trying to show you this is not a gender issue. It's a culture issue in Western culture. And anybody put into power in these situations are probably going to exercise it in a, an abusive way. And what we should do is organize ourselves not to be abused. That's what they were trying to say. Because in the end, you know, the Kens were repressed in the beginning and repressed at the end. The Barbies were completely ignorant to their place in the world in the beginning and at the end. There was no resolution to any of the problems. And so they chose to end it on a pretty much completely neutral message of, hey, from one woman to another, how to transition generationally and, and find your place in society is something that is really hard to do. And as a mother, all I can do is prepare you to be ready for it. And that's all you need to do for me to be proud of you, is that you are ready and willing to face the world. However you choose to do that is on you. And I'm here to support you no matter what you do in, in that choice. My job and only thing you need to seek validation from me in, from is, is to be strong enough and ready enough to face the world because it's unfair and it's going to beat you up and you got to be stronger than it. That's a fucking huge fucking message and it was like oh that's that's great because you set up a whole bunch of societal issues that you're never going to be able to solve in this movie and so you just went and eschewed solving those issues to just give a good message overall and like ah, smart move guys smart move and so barbie super landed with me um i thought it was a really good movie it was entertaining in its production and and of course they gave a bunch of a-list actors the lowest acting bar in the world and said, <laughs> go ham. And they went ham. And guess what? They gave great performances. And so, yeah, there was, um, there was Barbie. I thought was a super solid eight, um, out of 10. And then there was boy in the heron, which I mean, say what you want about how much you enjoy studio Ghibli movies. 
this is, I think, probably the height of anime. You're not going to get any kind of hand-drawn animation better than this. This movie was a crowning achievement in the animation field. Um, it's very Ghibli, which means it's super Japanese. You know what I mean? Um, it is not a straight line story. And very similarly to other Ghibli movies, they don't go out of their way to explain the culture behind what's happening. <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. Just follow it down the line. You know what I mean? And so, honestly, I will say that I think that Boy and the Heron was the one I was most hyped for. I think I give, I give it a super solid seven. Super solid seven. Great watch. Definitely watch it. Um, if you've ever had a f- problems following the story of a Studio Ghibli movie, this one is going to give you trouble. <laughs> the story is very difficult to follow at times. Um, because they do not aptly explain. There's a time dilation that happens that's never particularly well explained, and so you're completely like, "Oh, what? <laughs> Where am I? When am I?" This person, how sway? You know, you get one of those feelings. <laughs> um, and also it takes. Knowing a lot about Miyazaki will help you with the allegories used because there was usage of birds a lot in the in in the feature. Let me tell you, birds scat everywhere. <laughs> I don't know why they chose to animate so much bird shit, but it was everywhere. Everyone got shit on. Everyone had bird shit on them at one point in the movie or another, and I was just like, you know, it's it's getting it's, it's kind of feeling like um. Tarantino and his foot fetish is like, bro, bro, why has everyone got bird shit on them, bro? Why in, like, every major scene are the birds pooping everywhere? Because that's a choice. The birds could be doing a lot of things. You're choosing to animate the it's poop. like you had to animate that, bro. You know what I mean? Like, so there's there's something there. And the more you know about Miyazaki is the more sense that'll make. But you got to do a lot of digging, um, meta digging to understand the symbology of the movie. And so that I thought took away from it a bit, but um, overall solid movie. Um, I would say it's probably a top ten Ghibli. Nice. It didn't make it into my top five though. But I mean, look at the competition. Yeah. Mononoke, Nausicaa, Castle in the Sky, Howl's Moving Castle, uh, uh, Totoro, um, Ponyo, Ponyo. I mean, oh, and not for nothing. I, I do like Studio Ghibli when they're in their total fantasy realms. You know what I mean? Um, this one definitely has a lot of crossover with real life because this is this entire movie is allegorical to Miyazaki's life. Mm. The Boy and the Heron is, by his own admission, a a retelling of his life in imagination. That's pretty cool. I think it's super dope. It's really good, and that just just hats off to the OG. Because, like, you got to be OG to just be, like, to sell that to a studio and then buy that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm just going to retell my life in in fantasy. And then be like, no, no, do that. I think people will buy it. Super rare. So I was a little bit surprised that it was out of my my weekend viewing. It was probably my least favorite, even though it is a very good movie and I, movie and I did enjoy it. 
I was just surprised that I enjoyed the other movies more than it. And um, and so yeah, man, this is gonna be an easygoing episode. We're just gonna have a, a a deep dive into the wonderful weekend of cinema that I had. And so I hope that you guys enjoy these uh these breakdowns. But spoiler alerts once again, it's about to get deep. Um, so yeah, dude, Godzilla minus one. Um, are you are you reticent about any spoilers? No, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, so within the first few minutes of the movie, they they exposit the the main uh character of the story who is an ex kamikaze pilot now if you know what a kamikaze pilot is that should ring weird to you because how do you survive being a kamikaze pilot <laughs> you mean he's dead that's a story about a dead guy so he is he's he didn't defect he didn't desert he feigned that a malfunction and landed and never went to his mission. So that's just the first. That's the whole. That's literally the premise of the movie, the beginning setup. Um. In doing so, the service station that he lands at gets attacked by Godzilla in its younger form, and just gets wiped out. And again, he confronts the situation where. He could try to do something to stop this uh, because he runs over to his plane. He's the only gunner in the in the group. Everyone else is mechanics. So he runs over to his plane. They're like, yo, get in your game. Shoot that 20 millimeter at him. That could kill anything, right? Now, mind you, no, obviously not. But that's the propaganda that they've been. Hey, fed. yo, hey, yo, yo, yo. Get on that thing and make a whole bunch of noise so that they can start coming at you. And that's exactly what he said. He was like, ah. You feel me? No. Fuck that, bro. You no. can't sell me no bullshit plan like that. And so... Fuck the, that. One of the things, I guess, that the Japanese government had done... So anyway, out of that group, one guy survives. And he's like, yo, that was some bitch-made shit you did. Not <laughs> shooting at Godzilla. Here's a packet of all pictures of all the niggas who died on your watch. Just on some savagery, bro. Just savagery. Hey, yo, my nigga, you go fight Godzilla, that bitch ass nigga. I'm not the gunner, bro. They trained your That's his. Not, not me. Yo, that's so I'm funny. like, nah. Hey, you can't put that on me, my nigga. I wasn't trained oh, no. to fight no goddamn Godzilla. Nah, I was fucking with. I was trained I was to fight human like, beings. Nope. Nope. Fly head first Fuck into that plane that. for no reason. Into that shit for no reason. Nope. Shoot my gun at Godzilla when he's clearly not going to get penetrated by it? Nope. Feel me? Fuck nope. that. I was with him. But of course, in Japanese culture, my man is going through the deepest of regrets. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I should have did it. Yeah, he feels like a failure. He went back home, and now I guess something that the Japanese government would do when you get signed up as a fighter pilot is that they tell your family you're a kamikaze pilot. So nobody expects to see you again. <laughs> so this nigga shows back up in his old town. It's been destroyed in, in an air raid. And his neighbor's like, nigga, wasn't you a kamikaze pilot? <laughs> what is you doing back here? Yo, so... Uh, we'll see I what mean, had happened was... Bruh, my man is going through it. He's feeling some deep-seated remorse for it. So anyway, things happen. It's, it's, it's also very telling, like, because he meets up with a young woman who has also lost everything to the air raids, who adopted a young girl who's also lost her entire family to air raids, and it's just like, oh, man. Okay, that's the trauma. That's trauma. You know what I mean? Like, 
that is going to cause people to be scared of that kind of outcome for generations, even people who didn't live in Tokyo when that happened. Because that is fucking frightening. Because I'm pretty sure that they didn't make that up. I'm, I'm, I have no doubts in my mind that that was something that was inspired by someone who really, like, no, I met this woman who had an orphan child that she adopted, and she had nowhere to go, and I had nowhere to go, and so we just kind of, like, mutual aided our ways to to a better life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And 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 It's a very common story. You know what I mean? I mean, it, speaking of Free Ren, that is the character Fern is a war orphan that was taken in by I the priest. I feel like that's a story in Japanese psyche. Yep. Just like in 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 black people's psyche, the trauma of 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 European settlers creating a slave trade out of our population is going to resonate in the psyche of of black people in, throughout the diaspora. I feel like Japanese people throughout the diaspora resonate with the story of like having everything taken away. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and then and then rebuilding. The rebuilding aspect is super important too, to them. Like, we're we're you can't snuff us out. Like, we have a a resilient spirit, spirit, Hell yeah. And and the spirit of rebuilding is super important. And so that is very heavily um, felt in throughout this. Um, one of the things I did love about the movie as well was there was Japanese nationalism as a core, but not centered <clears throat> around government. You know what I mean? Like, it was about... Because the government refused to act on Godzilla because they knew that if they mobilized the military, it would anger the Soviets, would, which would uh, trigger an American response, and it would just create more war on the island. So the citizens got together. And they were like, this is not... This is a volunteer. This is of your, of your own desire... It has nothing to do with the government. This is Japanese people coming together to save ourselves. And that was a very strong point that they wanted to make in the movie. And I was like, ah, that's, that's, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. I think that's powerful. Um, I wish that they could then take the next step and extend that to humanity. You know what I mean? Like, that's the next step. But you got to start somewhere. And it's something... and And... You know, it really opened my eyes to to how strong nationalism could be. Um, and as an extension of nationalism, like patriotism. Um, it's funny because I see a lot of people really, like... It It, it, it kind of worries me how many people watch that uh, Leave the World Behind movie by um, that was executive produced by Obama and how it was about how a third party or uh, a th- an extra... Uh, American actor was able to influence a civil war in America, and I'm like, you know what? I just don't think that that's factual. <laughs> Let's just be honest with each other about American culture. Americans have created the society they did absolutely alongside people that they hated because they always will put their dreams of the american project above their individual foibles like yeah we could always talk about interpersonal shit that's fucked up but i genuinely don't believe that you can get because even walking just walk out to a random person and speak to them they might hate the government 
But that does not translate into anti-Americanism. And and ultimately, I think in in any kind of crisis, internal or external, the American people will more likely turn on the government and 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 coalesce with each other than actually watch the entire country of America crumble. Like if there was a, a a choice given to the average American, now that's not to say that there isn't outliers and extremists. They obviously fucking exist. But obviously this country has persisted with them existing this this long. And I think that the actual people making this country go, working, want to bolster whatever structure is is ultimately going to continue that lifestyle for them. And you know what lifestyle doesn't bolster that? Civil fucking war. I just don't think that you can get Americans to raise weapons against other random Americans the way that it would be necessary for an actual civil war. Now, that's not to say that there isn't an epidemic of mass shooters, but you're still talking about 0.000001% of the society. You know what kind of groundswell of, of, of social disarray you would need for an actual civil war? And I actually think that Americans would rally around Americanism far before that happens. That's not to say that they love their government. That's not to say that they don't hate their neighbors. All of that could be true. And at the same time, people stop and say, well, we're supporting the American project or dream or whatever they want to call it at large. And so it, it whatever it takes to get that to move forward, if it means working with these people I don't like, that's what's going to take precedent. I genuinely do believe that. So I don't see civil war falling out like that. You know what I mean? And and it's funny because you never get that kind of stuff in Japanese culture. There's just an underlying current of the spirit of Japanese people to help each other that will always pervade. Even though they might show isolated incidents of interpersonal violence, it would be... Uh, 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 it would be fallacious on the viewer to extrapolate from that and project that onto the whole society. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I no, mean, no, 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 no. If anything, is stronger. If anything, that type of violence is counterculture to how tame Japanese people themselves really are. actually are. It is absolutely counterculture. And, I, and honestly, I think that despite our entertainment uh, consumption habits, that violence is anathema to the average american as well they're far more willing to consume it than to participate in it mm-hmm. and for civil war to happen it would be forcing them to participate in it and so i doubt that that's going to happen and so it was just interesting to watch how the national pride in 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 a godzilla movie kind of preempts those kind of uh storylines and after having consumed one in America that was just totally implausible, but is yet yucked up by people. People think, and it's funny because people will be despondent and think that that would happen all while saying, I'm a proud American. And it's like, don't you understand? That's what's going to prevent that from happening. It's the fact that you are not special in your patriotism. And the fact that the patriotism is, I, I would say that probably 80 plus percent of America is proud to be American for whatever it's worth. Black, white, Hispanic, immigrant, Asian, across the board. People don't come here because they don't want to be American. 
You know what I mean? Like that's 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 right wing propaganda to think that people come here to destroy the country. People <laughs> come here to become Americans. That's why they that's why they risk coming here. They want to be part of this. So if you think that those people are going to go start a civil war, you you know what I mean? Like who's going to start? Who's going to fight the civil war that people are talking about? I really want to know which demographic. Because if you're talking about the middle of America, you're not talking about a lot of fucking people. And if you think that the middle of America is going to somehow assault the urban centers of this country, then you just don't know how many guns are in the hood. Like, it just don't make no sense. Like, I, it, it's so funny. Like, I, I, I talk about, like, oh, how, when is this country going to collapse, this and that. It ain't going to happen through civil war. That shit ain't happening. People are more than happy to be racist with isolated incidents of violence than to try to create sundown towns and all this bullshit again in places where black people already are. And black people are fine with evading the places we're not supposed to be. Occasionally, bad shit happens. But I don't think you're gonna, you just, I know you're not gonna mobilize the, the black community around the isolated bad incidents that happen. I know you're not. Because it's happened and they haven't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it's not like I'm trying to disparage it. It's just, I know that that's not what motivates black people. Black people dying is normal to them. Black people being in danger is normal to them. That's not what's going to motivate them. So how are you going to get now black people to participate in a civil war? You know what I mean? Like, Hispanic people ain't participating in no civil war. They have other places to be and, and things to do. Like, who the white people? The white people are woefully unskilled enough to participate in a civil war. So, and then, nor do I believe that they have the, the fighting spirit to do that. They have the fighting spirit maybe to fight an outside menace that's going to take something. But to raise arms against Americans? Yo, I think people really fucking underestimate that shit. I really think that they underestimate the, the, how heavily propagandized and how prevalent patriotism is in this country. Even some of the most staunch uh, 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 detractors just want to see this country do better. You know what I mean? And and civil war isn't an option for them. So I, you know, I the, I thought that that was a real like weird uh, uh, critique of the of the leave the world behind movie, in that nobody was critiquing the 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 utter lunacy that it would take for any of these things. And for the suspension of disbelief to be close to realism is not. This is complete fantasy. I don't have to even suspend my disbelief because this shit is not even realistic in its portrayal, you know? Um, but yeah, I, after watching Godzilla Minus One, I got a, such a, a strong sense. And something, it, it's probably one of the reasons why I connect so much to Japanese cinema, despite any critiques I have of the culture, is that ultimately, I really do think that that's a powerful force to have prevalent a group of people who in the most dire of times will coalesce around what whatever idea it is that's necessary for them to have the cohesion to overcome great calamity. I find that to be a very heartwarming story. And so I, I really thought it was dope for that. Um, they didn't run away from the happy ending. They gave you like... There was, there were, you know, the love interest, like, gets caught up in a blast. And, I mean, she's dead, dead. <laughs> My girl dead. Bro, there's no fucking way she survived <laughs> what she so went dude. through. Only to find out at the end she's still alive. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. 
I'm glad it was a happy ending because otherwise it would have been hella depressing. <laughs> hella depressing. Um, they probably they probably initially had her dead. Their audiences in the test screening did not fuck with that shit at no. all. Because she was too good. Reshoots, reshoots. She was too lovable of a character. Back. They made her so perfect and then killed her. I was like, I don't know if that's how you do that. You I don't think you make the character perfect. Like, you make them likable so that there's feelings there. But th- she was perfect. She was the perfect Japanese woman. Like, it was, like, crazy. Like, she 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 overcame the, the destruction that left her destitute and was honorable the entire way, never wavered in her dedication to him as a friend and as somebody who was... Like, it was like, nah, you can't make the character perfect and then kill them like that, bro. <laughs> that was just... That, that That probably felt like a super gut punch, especially to Japanese people who was, like... Who probably, like, didn't just see that as, like, oh, really likable character, but it was like... This is an idyllic character. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, that was probably a lot for the for the audience. Um, but yeah, and, and they addressed the very real issue with the fact that the institution of kamikaze pilots was wrong. It was wrong. It was it was a manipulation of the government to sacrifice Japanese people for no gain. It was wrong. It was fundamentally wrong. And I love that they really, like, they didn't harp on it, but they let it be known. Like, and you can see in the ending, they were like, so, so, so to, to wrap up uh, Godzilla minus one, you know, the big climax happens. They're fighting Godzilla to try to stop him from ravaging Tokyo again. And of course, you know, the setup has to be that. He's going to do his kamikaze mission. Like, there's no way to kill Godzilla. You got to fly the explosives directly into his mouth to kill him. <laughs> and I'm like, I guess. Uh, sick. But then guess. And now I got to be the one to do that. Of course, yes. Nobody else it. around can do that but Nobody me. Nobody else could do and it. And it's the only way we're getting out of this situation. Nigga, we all go die. Fuck y'all. But the thing is, is like, all they got to do is put an ejection seat on the on the plane. You know that, right? Like, I could eject last minute and still have a chance of living, which they did. And I was like, thank you, because why? Why do I have to be in the plane when it blows up? Like, what is wrong with you people? What is going on in your head that I have to be in the plane while it blows up for the for the, <laughs> for the strike to mean anything? Like, no. Let me eject, you fucking weirdos. Stop telling the, the engineers to stop to not put ejection seats in the planes. It's not hard, you know what I mean? Like, it's a thing that they can do. Why would you not let them put ejection seats in the planes? And they they address that very salient question, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, can I get a chance to live? And they were like, yeah, 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 no, no, no. We shouldn't have did that. That was probably not in anyone's best interest to have all of those amazing, bright fighter pilots just go down with their planes. Like, oops. That probably fucked us up in the end. You know what I mean? We lost a lot of talent there. Having these kids fly planes into ships. Like, it, it, it was so nonsensical. And the fact that they addressed it as nonsensical felt like progress. You know what I mean? Like, thank you. Because so many times you see a utter reverence of the prior generation that a critique like that will go glossed over. Like, no, nah, they did what they had to do. It's like, no, they didn't, actually. They just hurt people, and they didn't have to. And we can fix that because it was all man-made to begin with. You know what I mean? It wasn't divine providence, the kamikazes. 
it was a policy of man. And if we don't like that policy of man, we could just not do that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that was a very powerful undercurrent of the story of, like, we could... There, there's value in the tradition, but we can always do things better. That I thought was really good. But yeah, that was Godzilla minus one. Um, then there, there was Barbie, which Barbie was a amazing takedown of not just patriarchy but Western feminism. And I do firmly feel that the the reason why it did so well is because no, a lot of people didn't realize they were the butt of the critique. Because you have people like, oh, man, I love the Kens. And let me tell you, there's nothing relatable about the Kens. The Kens are... You're watching me like, this is the nigga who you feel so strongly about? Like, there was nothing. Like, Ryan Gosling killed his role. Amazing. Did a great job playing a completely vapid airhead. Like, that was the direction. Just play a completely empty character. Play a character pretending to be a human. And he did that so well. And it was like, I don't think you guys see that that is a critique of the role of that character. Um, the Western feminists totally missed the fact that the Barbies were the bad guys in Barbie land because they were serving the exact same role as male patriarchy in the real world. And moreover, when... Barbie went into the real world and encountered, you know, young women who had played with Barbies. They hated her afterwards. They hated her after playing with Barbies for long enough and realizing that, you see, like, we got to fantasize about being wizards and things that didn't exist. But these little girls were being given these dolls and to fantasize about, like, being mothers and wives and things like that. And it's like, oh, I don't think that that fantasy serves well when it's that close to reality. You know what I mean? Like, we got to you know, want to imagine and be things and then grow out of it. But how do you grow out of those faulty images when those images are talking about real-life things that you will eventually want to do? Like maybe find a companion, like maybe have a kid, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard, you know what I mean? And Barbie was critiquing feminism's failure at, at contextualizing that for women. You know what I mean? Um, they critiqued Western feminism for being just as hierarchical and just as repressive as patriarchy. It is a stand-in for patriarchy. And if you didn't get, understand that and you relate to those Barbies, then I think you kind of missed it. It's like the people who thought that Joker was the good guy. It was like, oh, I think you missed the point. There was no good guys. There was no bad guys. There was people in bad, shitty positions. And people in those stress positions perform poorly, typically. Sometimes you overcome, but typically you perform poorly. And it can get to extremes at times in the case of like something like a Joker. But in, um, in Barbie, it was her realization that the world she was living in was fake. It's a scathing critique of social media um, life. Because the Barbies live in the real world. Barbie Land is in the real world. But they live in a bubble, and they only understand and 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 believe things that are in that bubble. And I think that that was supposed to be a critique of the kind of Hall of Mirrors effects you can get on the internet, only consuming uh, uh, things that that ratify what you've been told by a mainstream form. 
And so, yeah, it, there was a lot going on there. Um, man, you know, I, I don't know if it's a mea culpa or not, but, like, I'm a really big Michael Cera fan. For some reason, every time he, he's in a movie, that's the character I relate with the most, <laughs> oddly enough. And it's just, like, I, I really appreciate him as an actor. And he and his role in this movie is um, he played Alan. Are you familiar with the Alan doll? Yeah. Alan is is Ken's sidekick. Um, he was discontinued after one uh, product line, I think, in the late 60s. So I, I actually was unfamiliar with the Alan doll um, and, and his place in the in the Barbie lore. But um, Michael Sarah plays the Alan doll, and he is a stand-in for how patriarchy actually it only helps a very small percentage of men and it ends up leaving the vast majority of men by the wayside not validated because they don't fit into the leadership or the alpha quote unquote alpha male perspective that is seen as deemed as desirable which displaces 90 like most people don't like most men don't fit into the alpha male stereotype and moreover the majority of people at large are support characters you know their skill sets are better at supporting you know what i mean a strong lead in whatever project they're working on i don't i don't know why human skills have developed that way but that is how it's been exposited in our world and so that whole domineering of the patriarchy is actually detrimental to the vast majority of men. Um, this was definitely a movie made for women. And, and so that isn't to be forgotten. You know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't ever like, I don't know. Um, lionize the men. Like all the men are vapid and stupid. Like there's no intelligent men in this movie whatsoever. All of them are are dogmatically stupid, um, even up to the men in the real world. All the men in the and so I could see how that could trigger some people, but I I can only see that as triggering if you miss the fact that the Barbies were also trash, and I think that a lot of like I I, I think it is so hilarious that that has not entered into the dis the online discussion yet which tells me that people have vastly missed the fact that the Barbies and the Kens are the fucking same. They are literally the same. They all act the same. At the end of the movie, uh, so the Kens take over. Uh, uh, so Ken goes to the real world, learns about patriarchy, and then takes that knowledge back to Barbie land while Barbie's away and takes over and manages in, like, the matter of a day to fool all the Barbies who were ro who were running everything into letting the Kens, who have never had any power, just take over. Like, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, oh, you guys don't see they're critiquing the Barbies as well. The Barbies are very weak and ineffectual in their own right, even when they have all of the power. Even when they're in a world created for them to be powerful, they choose to, to, to relinquish power and give it to the Kens at the earliest convenience. You know what I mean? Like, 
if the, if people don't understand the critique that's happening on both sides, I can see as to why they might like, oh, they're just hating on all the men. And it's like, no, they're hating on Western culture. And that Western culture produces on both sides of the gender line, terrible people, people incapable of leadership, people who are toxic to the people around them. And we should probably work on that culturally to get to a place where we might even have some you know, equality. But of course, that is absolutely not a storyline you can wrap up in a two-hour movie. <laughs> and so I do appreciate that the movie acts as more of a mirror than like a finish line. They don't wrap up any of those questions that are brought up. They don't wrap up any of the questions of the marginalization of Allens. They don't talk about the the marginalization of body positive um Barbie and pregnant Barbie and how they're treated. Weird Barbie, who is Kate McKinnon's character, is hilarious. I love Kate McKinnon, man. She fucking kills her role as Weird Barbie. Um and uh it's funny because Weird Barbie is like a Barbie who was returned to Barbie land after having been abused by her owner. And so she's always stuck in the splits, as they say. And it's like, you know what? All of my cousin's Barbies were always stuck in the splits. Like, holy shit, that's a thing. Like, why do Barbies break and automatically their legs are permanently spread open? Like, what the fuck? It was really funny that they called that out because it's clearly something that happens to Barbies frequently. And so, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. But, um, yeah, Kate McKinnon's character was awesome. Barbie was a really good, I think, I would say expose more than a takedown of Western culture and how it affects women. And then they just wrapped it up with a generic, you know, hey, from mother to daughter. You just gotta, you gotta work on being strong. Doesn't mean that you're weak when you have moments. You know, you're human, and those emotions can be powerful, and they could also be something that 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 takes you out. But just try your best. Be brave. Meet the world. Know you're capable of of overcoming. And if you don't, that's okay too. That was I thought was a super good message at the end of the movie. You know, and 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 it really solidified it as like, oh no, this is a movie to women, for women, um, which doesn't mean it's not enjoyable, because as I said, like there was actually a pretty deep dynamic in the Kens in and of themselves, but that wasn't the point of the movie. So just don't expect to walk away from the movie with like, oh, that was a a, sol- a solution. No, it provides <laughs> no solutions, and it's not empowering at all. It doesn't empower the Barbies at all. That was the crazy part. And that's how I knew that most people missed it. And Carolina, and it's funny because Carolina and her sister both watched it separately and both were like, this movie's not about empowerment. You know that, right? And I was like, well, thank you. Because it wasn't meant to empower me, so I didn't mean to, I didn't expect to see that there. But to see two women who were the target audience because they literally inserted a Hispanic daughter and mother duo to relate to, to, to people just like them they were like, I didn't feel empowered by that shit, to be honest. It's like, <laughs> that wasn't it. That wasn't it. You know what I mean? It was just a lot of questions, which are cool and interesting to, to delve in, but it was not about empowering us. No, it's just, if you call encouragement empowerment, then okay. But they're two different things for a reason. And it might have been encouraging, but it most certainly was not empowering. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that was th- th- that's good to know. I will definitely add that into the, the synopsis because... Honestly, like once I identified that I wasn't the target audience, I was able to watch it a lot more objectively. 
You know what I mean? And 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 even the, even in that, they both said that they enjoyed the movie. The movie was fun to watch, but if like you expected people to come away with a lesson, that that wasn't it. There was no lesson to be had. And so the fact that so many people connected to it and got lessons that probably weren't there is interesting, I think. But it's, it's not unheard of. People will attach meanings to anything. They do it all the time. You know what I mean? And that that's projection. And I try my best not to do that when I'm trying, you know what I mean, when I'm breaking it down for you guys. But yeah, when you watch that movie, try to sideline the personal feelings and and really engage with what they're giving you because it's a lot deeper than what's on the surface. And Alan, Alan's man. Alan's my favorite character in that movie by far. <laughs> Easily, hands down. But yeah, that 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 was uh that was Barbie. And then we got Boy and the Heron, which an amazing Studio Ghibli piece. Um once again set in a not the, it's not post World War II, it's during the end of World War II. So it's like takes place, I think it starts in 43 and ends like five or six years later. So you get to to see them progress throughout, you know, the the war story in the background. But not the race today. But boy, oh boy, the boy in the heron. Um I didn't understand the story. I didn't. And I think that it would probably do you a lot of good to watch a, a non-spoiler video about the imagery prior so that you have something to arm you when you go into it because there's a lot of characters and their relations are not well explained, nor are they ones that I think that most Western people would relate to. So, like, Mahito has an aunt that he's never met, even though she's lived in this, like, right next city next to them. And so, like, there's an estrangement there that feels really weird from a child to an adult, and and especially one that is part of your family that you would have expected to meet at least once or twice. Um, and then on top of that, they... They they partake in a very traditional Japanese um, uh, relationship dynamic in which if an older sister dies, you immediately marry the younger sister. They address her like there's no history there. They never address like that's his aunt. And that is your sister-in-law you, you're choosing to marry. Like, they never... And so that's weird to Western, I think, sensibilities, even though it's probably very common for people of um, in Japan in that time. And so that's what I mean. Like, they don't bother to explain any of that. You just keep going on, like, is this person his aunt? And if this is his aunt, why did his father feel compelled to marry her and he didn't know her? Like, it was, it was very off-putting in that respect. But it, it's not bad because of that. You know what I mean? It, it's just, it took us a while to get acclimated to, only because the first chapter of the story is very long, and so it's a very, it's a reoccurring thing in the first 45 minutes, you know? And so there was that, and then... There... 
there's a time dilation in the in the movie that happens that is not explained and is not even particularly like like you don't even realize it's a time dilation until they randomly start calling this person by a moniker that is completely unexplained you know it's just like how what and then everyone automatically accepts it and i was like (laughs) i mean okay but you didn't seem so accepting of the random crap that was happening to you up until this point so it kind of feels weird that the personality (laughs) trope has shifted so drastically but it's a it's a if you can ignore the fact that it's a, and see that was a part of my problem is that um I was stuck in content brain so I couldn't help but watch it analytically when I I think it was probably better served if you watched it as just whatever was presented on the screen because it was beautiful and the story that was presented on screen was relatively followable but once you realize like things are happening and things are representative of other things it's it makes it super confusing super confusing um more so than any other studio ghibli movie like some people said that um spirited away was hard to follow and i was like i don't know man i found that one pretty easy to follow even mononoke can get a little bit winding towards the middle but overall the environmental storytelling landed to the point where I understood everything. Not so much in this one. You might have to watch it, you know, pause it a couple of times because you got to really soak in what it's given. Like, The Boy and the Heron is a very well-animated and thematically dense anime. Um, I do think it is the crowning achievement of, of Miyazaki, even if it's not his best one the way that it brought together so many ideas that he had had and the fact that it's allegorical of his uh, actual life, I think says a lot. And not for nothing, man, the Heron was dope. I enjoyed uh, the, uh, the, the gray Heron. They don't, they don't name him. They don't name most of the um, mythical characters in there, but um, he definitely like, the characterization of each character was definitely well done, even if there was um, cultural barriers there. None of them, I think, took away from the general storyline of the Boy and the Heron. It, it 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 definitely delivered on giving you what it wanted. Now, how coherent that was, and and how relatable that is, I think it's gonna be um, it's gonna be uh up to the it's gonna be up to the watcher to determine you know what i mean like i don't know if this one is just like a foregone masterpiece as much as maybe some of the other stuff like there's gonna be a ton of room of uh for opinion in this one but um yeah i i think he did he did he did the thing with it you know boy in the heron there's not a whole like you really do it is yeah i and and i would say that above any of the three movies that i watched this week weekend the boy in the heron i would say is the closest one that is like you gotta watch it you gotta watch it even if i didn't rate it the highest it's quality enough to where i would say you won't be you 
you won't be like violated on the animation or the story. Like all of that's present, and the voice acting is good. So it's the most recommendable one. Even though I would say that, man, once if you try to dig deep in the story, you'll find yourself in a very winding path. <laughs> very winding. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to give away too much for that one because, you know, as Miyazaki's final joint, I would be remiss to say uh, too much about it that wouldn't be already deemed from somebody consuming it. And I do think it's it's definitely worth that. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out Boy and the Heron. Um, it's, worth, it, it's, it's worth the consumption, um, if not just to... to to see where Miyazaki is. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it is so autobiographical. And the funny part is, is that it becomes more evident the more fantastical the world gets, which I think is very much paralleled to his life, is that he's had to sacrifice being in general, you know, the, the world being present in his family lives to be a part of this fictitious world that he's creating. And it's one that he re- he regrets having lost the time in the real world, but one that he is totally grateful that he got to build. If that makes any sense. Um, but yeah, that's the boy in the heron, man. Solid watch, you know. Um, my rundown again is uh, Godzilla minus one, solid nine. Um, Barbie, solid eight. Boy in the heron, solid seven. Really, really, really good uh, movies worth watching. Um, and not for nothing, if you watch all three of those on a single day, you had a good day at the cinema, for sure. It's a nice lineup. It is. It, it, and it, it was a well-needed refresher after the duds that I had been seeing. I had been... I, I was worried. I was like, oh, jeez. I don't even want to talk about some of this shit. You know what I mean? So it was a, a, a huge refresher to get back in uh, to some good movies. But yeah. We'll go ahead. We'll wrap up on that, guys. I hope you did enjoy our movie breakdown this week. If you did, please feel free to subscribe. You can find us on Patreon.com or on Anchor.fm. You can also find us on social media on Twitter at Korea underscore T and at Home Heron. You can also find us on Instagram at Heron's Home Podcast and at Heron's Homies. And you can find me on Instagram at RicoGVO. And always remember, guys, it's only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly will learn from. Thanks again for joining us and have a great one. Peace out. Take it easy.